things girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right. Welcome. Welcome. Is rejection your boogeyman or an opportunity? What would it look like if you actually pursued rejection? Well, today I'm a, I'm really thrilled about this conversation on what we do when we are faced with rejection. In other words, how do we become a rejection ninja? Whoa, and ninja! <laughs> ninja! Ninja! Do not run. Instead, ask why. You would be surprised uh, where that will get you. And another tip is just keep asking and you shall receive. So that is what we're going to be talking about with this conversation. But first of all, welcome to Girlfriend It. I'm Patty Wyatt. I will be your host today. And we are sitting around the table with our girlfriends. And we just want to invite you in because what an honor to have you be um, here with us today. Last week, we chatted about Debbie's mouth recovery program. And (laughs) how's that going, Debbie? Are you really great? Really great. Everything's good. We, we also cringed at going live while we were still chi- we were literally chatting around the table, busted, right? All of a sudden, you can hear us talking about Debbie's landscapers. But hey, we we survived it. We're moving forward, and today we are going to help you transform your life, and uh, not by putting on some rejection repellent, but by helping you to embrace and even pursue rejection. We have five it tips that will make you an invincible rejection ninja, and hopefully today you are going to earn a cape. So we are going to just share our some of our stories because rejection hurts. Um, we doubt ourselves. We feel less than. Sometimes we have a pity party. Uh, we started out as as girlfriends. Um, being in it together with you. And as we've been sharing some of this uh, with each other, we have we've realized there's some pain there. And so for, for our listeners today, if you have a pen handy, write down the last time you were rejected in your personal life. And it doesn't have to be some massive rejection. If you're driving in your car, you, you might not want to get a pen and write this down, but just pause and think about a time that, that you were rejected. And how did you handle it? Have you been able to embrace it? And here we go. We're going to share some of ours. So uh, who wants to go first on our, our therapy s- session of our pain, Debbie? <laughs> well, um, this is actually a rejection story that turned into um, the rest of my life. So I, uh, when I first started crafting about 20 years ago, I went to the store Write-Ons, which is an adorable store in Phoenix, Arizona, and the owner, her name is Pepper, and she is really, she's a doll. So I was super excited, and I thought, I'm going to go in there and take something that I've made, and she's going to love it, and she's going to want to mass produce it in her store. And so I called, I got an appointment with Pepper, and I bring in my little craft, and she looked at it, and she said, so, okay, well, 
it's very cute. However, to have something professionally in our to have something professionally done in our store, you need to complete it. You need to finish the whole thing. And so what I learned from her in her kind, gracious voice, she told me basically, you aren't good enough. Your, your product isn't good enough, but here's how to fix it and make it good enough. And let me just tell you, I've never forgotten that lesson. And I am a freak now about making sure that every detail of everything is done. Hence my other business called All in the Details. Isn't that interesting? Well, I didn't know that actually, Debbie, that that's why you, you call it All in the Details. That, that's really interesting. And it is funny how much we can learn from rejection. I, I look back and, and we were talking earlier uh, of some of our painful rejection stories. And I used to go to Park and Swap with my dad at every Saturday and we would buy things in the auction at the auction on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. And then we would, we would paint it. We would scrub it. My dad was a Windex freak. Like everything would be cleaned up. And I realized that because everything was a negotiation and, uh, in my formative years now, I don't think anything of asking people like literally. So last week we were in Payson. I was with my husband at big lots in Payson. And there was this $400 storage cabinet that I wanted in our garage, but it was kind of chipped and I would have to repaint it. And so I go up to the guy and I said, Hey, will you take a hundred dollars off on that storage cabinet? And my husband, he, he walks up and he's like, you truly can't help yourself. Can you like everything, no matter where you are, is negotiation. You are in it to win it. And you want to see this poor guy. You don't even want this, Patty. You just want to see him. And he did it. He gave me $75 off, but, but my husband was right. I walked away because then I realized, yeah, I really don't want it that much. Like what, what, what $25, you know, more made a difference, but, um, how that teaches you in, in, you know, everything in life from what you've learned and you were rejected earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of jobs that I know that I, uh, interviewed for, I, when I brought out of college, of course, I wanted like the biggest job possible. I wanted uh, to work for IBM interviewed there. They said, no, went to interview with Xerox. They said, no, went on interview with American airlines. They said, no, I'm still recovering from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it, then I was younger, I uh, tried out for cheer in junior high, made cheer. So, of course, I'm a shoe-in uh, to go to high school and go for cheer there. So I go for cheer, I'm in high school, and at this point in my high school, uh, cheerleading is the only thing that you can do. I mean, it is the mecca of all accomplishments. I mean, you have reached the pinnacle when you get cheer in high school. And so I try out for cheer, and I'll never forget it. Um, I, I'm still in the recovery program. I didn't make cheer in high school. I know, hard to believe. So I didn't make cheer. And so the, the next morning, my dad drove a carpool full of girls, high school girls, to, to school the next day. And I am just devastated. I can't even believe. I still keep playing over my mind. Hi, Sherry. This is Renee Oxidine. I'm just calling to tell you you didn't make cheer. Hi, Sherry. This is Renee Oxidine. I'm calling to tell you you didn't make cheer. Oh, my so I play that conversation over and over in my head. My dad takes us to school. He tells the other girls, um, girls, you go ahead and go. And sissy, I want to talk to you. So at that moment, I stayed in the car. And dad said, Sherry, I'm proud of you for trying and failing than for never trying at all. You mm -hmm. know what? That's all I needed to hear. I stepped out of the car. 
And my chin went up and I'm like, you know what? You're right. I tried and I'm good now. So mm-hmm. it was processing. My, my dad seeing that and speaking that into me was huge for me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's interesting because some people don't have an advocate. And I think mm-hmm. one of our tips is who's your advocate? Like who is breathing into you when you do get re- that rejection or, um, you know, just when you have those emotions of feeling less than and, and yeah, we, we all know, okay, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, but he also put physical people with skin on that are going to be your advocates and, and breathe in. So finding that person that, that can, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, so, you know, um, I know for me, I didn't have that advocate and I, um, you know, I can feel the tear come down my eye as I listened to, in my voice even, um, how sweet that is to have a dad like that, you know, but I'm sorry, girls. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't valuable. Right. Yeah. But so, but I want to encourage our listeners that, um, we do have other advocates, like you were saying, and, and they are out there. And I have been so blessed with some wonderful mentors and dear, dear friends that sit right here with me that have been um, that um, live person, as you were saying, the physical body of someone who's here um, with us on this journey who have spoken truth and encouragement into me. And so I guess that's why I think, girlfriend, it is just so important that we have a group of safe friends that breathe truth into us and encouragement that don't give up. If you didn't have that growing up, you know, a parent that spoke like that to you, you can still get it as a grown up. You know, there's not only good friends, but there's mentors as well. Absolutely. And I think also back to the fact that whatever we are carrying around from our childhood, we bring Mm -hmm. into our adulthood and we bring it into our parenting and so we have to really understand what it is we are doing and why our behaviors are certain ways and that's so significant debbie because christa what just happened to you that trigger point just hearing sherry's story about her dad and i mean that just took over that was such a trigger point to you to go okay and, and instead of comparing it and going, okay, God, why could, why didn't I have a dad like that? Or, yeah. you know, a, a parent or an advocate uh, to be able to go, okay, but now, now what, what? And, and I, I think one of the biggest tips there is rejection hurts, not only emotionally, because that triggered something into, it's a physical pain and it releases the same chemicals and activates that area of our brain. Uh, I, I find that fascinating. And there, Ed Smith is a psychologist at Columbia University. He did several studies by hooking up the MRI brain scans, and then he would throw individuals um, there hooked up to the brain scans, and he would show them photographs of their ex-partners that they were rejected by, and it it, it literally lit up like a Christmas tree, the Hmm. same area as if they were burned on a stove, you know, that physical pain, and it, they've shown um, people playing computer games, like, I 
we're playing volleyball on the computer and they add Sherry in. So the three of us are tossing the ball back and forth. And all of a sudden we exclude Debbie and just Sherry and I start playing. Debbie's brain would light up the Mm. same area as physical pain Mm. simply because we weren't playing ball with her. I mean, you You two are complete (laughs) jerks to me. (laughs) Right? And you go, okay, it's just a game, which is really fascinating. Um, What just happened to you, Christad, it was more than just the emotional pain. That obviously lit up your brain. And to to find that our brain detects it as a threat, like like I said, a hot stove or a snake, that's just crazy. So it's important for us to be aware rather than just shoving shoving that back down. So Christette being able to talk about it, I think is significant. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's interesting uh, when talking with you the other day, Patty, even about, so the word rejection is just really feels um, like a, a strange and foreign word to me. And I, and I was trying to figure out where that come from. It had to been come from my family of origin, my dad. So if I went out for a job interview or I tried out for a team or I auditioned for a solo in, you know, the school play or a part or this, and I didn't get it, I didn't attach the word rejection. I'm just like, oh, okay, I didn't get that part. Okay, I'll go over here and I'll try this. Oh, I'll try out for this thing. Oh, I'll try that. The word rejection, I never attached that to that. So maybe that's just my own coping mechanism or my own naivety, but I just, I never saw it as rejection. Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, it is interesting because um, recently I just applied for a scholarship for Harvard negotiation classes. And in doing that, I found myself, uh, I got rejected, by the way. Let me just start with that. I, I got a big no. And <laughs> Did you say Harvard or Hartford? Harvard. Patty, <laughs> no one should talk to you about that rejection. Come on, sister. <laughs> But, but even that, like I knew I was putting myself out there and I had to, I had to go and ask like old bosses, would you write me a reference letter? Because in doing that by asking, I knew they would ask me, well, did you get in? <laughs> did you, you know? So every time you put yourself in their arena, uh, you know, and, and there's a great quote. I know Brene Brown uses this, but it was originally from Theodore Roosevelt that it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who f- mm-hmm. whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again. And it, and it goes on, but it talks about getting in the arena with great, great enthusiasm, with great devotion and knowing it's a worthy cause. And, and just like, you know, Debbie, your story for her to go, uh, maybe refine this product before you bring it to us. And you go, okay, really that you have to go, okay, what part do I need to, if I'm in the arena, the only way I'm going to know how to refine and be looking at the details is for someone to say, okay, Step up. And I, I do have another story since I, I shared my my Harvard story uh, was Lisa 
you know, the the host on, on the show earlier, she and I decided that we were going to Best Buy and we were going, going to be their spokeswomen. We, we were going to uh, put on a whole thing on technology for women so they would understand how to use the computers, how to use everything, right? Because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm so high tech. Yes, yes. they are. Yeah. You <laughs> actually are. And I... <laughs> so we were we were going to learn it with the Best Buy target audience. And okay. and so we actually called the CEO and we thought, you know, the first way we're going to do this to get our foot in the door is to ask him to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And we talked to his assistant, Wendy, and Wendy said, oh, he would love that. And, you know, our jaw fell to the floor because we thought oh, he has time to be on Girlfriended. <laughs> <laughs> He did, as a matter of fact. So we had a 30-minute segment with him. And then afterwards, we said, you know, we we have a proposal for you, and we, we would really like to schedule a time, you know, to, to tell you how all about our amazingness and how <laughs> you need to have us on. And he took the time, and he heard the proposal. And I know he had to be laughing the entire time as we were telling him we're going to give great tips to women on how to stay relevant on technology. But... He he wasn't as nice because uh, because then he he was just a flat out no it wasn't you know live out here you know with with making sure that Best Buy is is making it happen but once again getting in the arena you know making it happen. I've left you guys totally spellbound. All right. I have another story then. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Sonoran Living, um, but uh, yeah, we thought, all right, we're going to put a segment on for Sonoran Living. And we met with the producers and we sat down at the round table and we told them, this is what music we would like. This is uh, how we think the show should go. And it, anyway, it was hysterical. And they said, okay, we really can't get that music for you because we have to have copyrights, blah, blah, blah. But we can produce, you know, how about this music and how about this? And now I look back on that and I think, who do you are that you called them and said, uh, yes, we are going to put a segment together. Um, so anyway, I, I, I see that we are freezing up here. So that's why I'm getting my, my silence. So I hope all of our listeners are hearing all these, all these stories, but Sherry, you had one. Uh, well, yeah, uh, just the rejection, uh, when I would receive it, I didn't think it was that, you know, uh, that bad until really, really the, the biggest one that would stick up in my mind though would be, uh, when at, in college, there was a musical, uh, the sound of music that they were putting on. And of course, um, you know, I would love to be, uh, you know, play any of those parts, Maria or, you know, was her name Elise or whatever and so it's a musical so there are obviously singing parts and dancing parts and speaking parts and so I'm picturing a variety of parts that would belong to me and so I try out for the musical and the play and when I received the um I don't know maybe the call sheet or something on the door they assigned me the part called the mute now the mute (laughs) does not speak 
or sing. <laughs> and and she, she the, the director had literally created a separate part in the show where, like, I was supposed to kind of, like, I don't know, dance in the background where you could hardly see me and I couldn't speak. I was devastated. I thought, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, this is the pain of all pains. I can't speak or sing. This is, I was horrible. I mean, that one, that one really took me down for quite a while. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty big one. I have one. Um, this, it, hopefully I won't um, get teared up in this one, but um, <laughs> this just happened a few years ago. Had a group of girlfriends. Um, another group, you know, not as special as you guys, but another group of girlfriends and we did everything together and we traveled together and we worked together. And, um, one of the girls in the group, uh, just kind of had it out for me. And I think was just maybe jealous of my relationship with the others and did everything in her power to get me out of the group and, um, convinced the other girls, um, that I was, you know, probably doing something wrong. I don't even know. It was so dumb now. It seems so middle school. But anyway, I was, re I was, I felt so rejected by everybody and I was devastated and I would look on Facebook and I would see, um, them, you know, together without me. And it was, I mean, literally, you know, crying, sobbing, uh, that kind of stuff. And then a year later come to find out that that same person did it to somebody else. And it was sweet vindication. However, it was um, uh, at least a year of really, really feeling so bad about myself. And it's amazing how we can make others feel and how we make ourselves feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking a different, a different kind of, I don't know, rejection would be um, being excluded from things. And that's happened mm -hmm. several times. People like they forget to invite me to their party or their <laughs> event you know, I don't know how, <laughs> but I remember the, the most clear one. Uh, I went to like a concert or an event or a gathering, a big gathering at like um, this arena. And I was going with my husband. And so we were there already seated and up a few rows ahead of me. I see like a girlfriend or two. I'm like, oh, well, there's, you know, so-and-so. I'm going to go say hi to her. And so I walk up there and say hi to her. And I see her and her. And I literally, I stand there and my mouth must have dropped open. There were four rows of every one of my girlfriends except me. And I'm standing there, I'm processing literally in front of them going, oh, you guys are all here together without me. <laughs> Oh. Of course, of course, I'm happy I'm here with my husband. Of course I am. But wow, that means you guys made a plan without me. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. being excluded from something, you know, that one probably that one's a hard one. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because yeah, that's so many. That's like your whole world. And when you realize that's the thing, when you realize people are talking and you're not even on that thread, like you're. <laughs> They, like, not one of those 35 women remembered, like, hey, maybe we should call Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's devastating. I think addressing that, um, think about how you felt. And once again, it goes into the physical pain. But our younger generation is hitting that all the time because they're seeing it on social media. You had to actually show up and realize yeah. you were the loser that wasn't a part of the party. Like, 
they're feeling that all the time. But I, I know, you know, yesterday, Robin and Sherry, we were laughing about all of the rejections because we, we somehow went through the, the pageant industry and we were laughing about that. And you guys mocked me about using the term cognitive dissonance. I and know. You sound so smart when you say that word. Whatever it is, I just love it. Sound it's such it. a shock that Harvard rejected you. Right. <laughs> You know what? I think it's because they never let me go in through the interview process. Like, had I been able to use these terms in front of them, I think that I would have been accepted. Yes. I don't know. Maybe next year. But I do love my cycle babble and I love my research and I can get really nerdy. But uh, it's actually significant in our lives because once we recognize and understand the cognitive dissonance, I'm saying it again, we are able to rethink our thinking and we can fix it. We can define it. We can label it. And what what it is, it's like the dissonance, we're actually dissing our, our cognitive way of thinking. And when we hold two thoughts that are inconsistent with each other, that's what the dissonance is, as if we are... Uh, it, it's just it's creating a lot of stress in our brain. So when Sherry saw that her friend group, the entire group is there, it doesn't register. So our brain has to do something with that, right? It has to have that coping mechanism. And I find this fascinating because there's three things that our brain does to kind of resolve or restore that uncomfortable feeling so we can make sense of the world is to change the thought. So an example, when she saw that all of her friends were there and she hadn't been invited, so now she feels uncomfortable inside and it's having this physical pain, that feeling of rejection, uh, she then can make a choice. And, and it comes back from those formative years of how is this going to threaten her self-image and that feelings of dissonance that's present there. So she e either has to change her thought or change her behavior she can acknowledge that these aren't really my friends. I will go to another friend group. And that's what happens if you've been rejected a lot in your formative years, because now I don't want to be rejected again. So that's my coping mechanism. Or she can add a thought to that. And that would be, oh, okay, I wasn't invited this time, which we all know that's what Sherry does. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll plan it the next time. I'm going to plan a concert. I'm going to plan. And that's what a healthy mind will do is to go, oh, I bet you they just weren't thinking about me. They were probably all together and said, hey, let's all go to the concert, which is probably what happened, right? How many times have you done that? You've been with a friend group and you're like, hey, let's all go hiking. And then someone will call you and go, well, why didn't you invite me to go hiking? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It was last minute. We all were there and we said, let's go in the morning. Yeah. And so cognitive dissonance, three things that we do is we change the thought we change the behavior or we add a thought. And once again, it's like, what are you doing with that? Are you going in that mindset like big mistake? I will hurt you more than you hurt me and prepare for battle. Because that's what a lot yeah. of women do. I will bring you down because I'm feeling hurt by you. I felt rejected. And bottom line, our brain does not like those inconsistencies. We want to understand the world. So we change our thoughts, our behavior, or we add a thought for a clearer picture. Mm -hmm. And we yeah. have one minute before we going, we're going into commercial break. Yeah. Uh, Can I, I give I, a quote? Go ahead, Deb. Um, 
I, uh, a couple of quotes that I found. Uh, rejection doesn't mean that you aren't good enough. It means that the other person has failed to notice what you have to offer. Mm. Isn't that great? Um, I, I just feel like that is such for, for girls in relationships with men or whatever, and they reject them for one reason or another. They, that wasn't your guy. That wasn't your guy. Cause if he doesn't recognize everything you are and have to offer, it's not your guy. He's not God's guy for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or else was, tip. with something from scripture, you know, you know, God tells me I'm beautiful. I'm chosen. I'm made for a purpose. I'm a precious child of God and he loves me forever. And so that that's encouragement that 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 I need and that we all need. Absolutely. And that's a great way segue into this commercial and we will be right back after these tunes and a commercial break. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. If you are a woman and have always longed for lean legs, tight buttocks, sinewy arms, and a stately posture, then bar classes may be just what you're looking for. The Bar Method program focuses on elongating muscles and burning fat, and some think it's similar to interval training because the body switches from intense exercise to stretching, which results in sculpted muscles and an increase in the burning of fat calories. The routine is made to give everyone access to a ballerina body. This ballet-based workout is becoming very popular, and according to the New York Times, it is a tough exercise routine. Seasoned ballerinas and even top athletes find their muscles burning when doing these classes. So if you are looking to tighten your derriere, elongate your muscles, and improve your posture, check out bar classes. They may be perfect for you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. conversation about what you do with rejection. Are you actually pursuing rejection or do you run, 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 run from rejection? And and I think all of us innately, that's what we want to do is run from it because like we were talking about our coping mechanism, uh, we kind of want to go into the fetal position and uh, just you know, lick our wounds and, and not put ourselves back out there. And in the last segment, we were talking about getting yourself in their arena because the more that you get rejected, uh, the less painful it is, the less it hurts, the, the more that you can really see God's purpose for your life. You can figure out your it and it it definitely refines you as you're moving forward. I shared and was mocked by my uh, request to get a scholarship for a Harvard class. And uh, my, my best buy scenario. Uh, I also have one that will make you guys laugh. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with the Fiesta Bowl, uh, I had a, a team of women that we thought we want to put on the Fiesta Bowl halftime. And not not the show. Like we weren't gonna get out there and go go dance or be J Lo or any of but that. But you would. But you would. <laughs> I would. Yes. They only would have had me, you know. Um, but uh, we literally called the 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 top dogs at the festival, and we said, 
we want this year to be for women. We, you know, it, it's a big deal. Women represent, you know, so many things. So we want to do an event uh, where we are going to highlight women. And they they gave us two hours of time in their boardroom as we sat around and we cast this vision of how amazing <laughs> what we were going to do. <laughs> wow. And that's it. You have a lot of background in parades or. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And football. I, I and probably football. should have called you first, Robin, to be, have you be my advocate to go, you know, that shame gene your husband teases you about, like you have no filter. You think that, you know, I'm one of those kids that, oh, I'll be president of the United States. Like, well, why not? So, yeah, why not be, you know, put on an event for the festival? But anyway, we didn't get that gig, but I learned <laughs> so much, so much from wow. putting that whole, you know, proposal in. And with that, then I went on to put proposals into Mops, Inc., Group Inc., um, investors, mega churches, and then uh, going into strip strip clubs to share with the dancers, hey, we care about you. And just like Krista, you, you know, we're your advocate and we want to be here for you. But to get in, we got rejected over and over and over again by the bouncers and by the owners of these clubs that were like, no, you, you are not coming in here. So we were buying... Uh, you know, CDs and Starbucks, uh, you know, gift cards. And then throughout the 10 years, as we, you know, they started getting to know us, they were just like, yeah, walk in, Patty. Yeah, you know, go ahead. And we go, here's a cupcake. But tons of rejection. And then we finally were able to get in. And what's interesting about that now is that because we did that 15 years ago, we, we've paved the way to so many churches. Churches go into the clubs all the time and they don't think anything of it. it, it but it was it was unique when we first started going in. So you're you're a trailblazer and you're you're making it happen. Mm -hmm. But Patty, you also you have. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And that's right. I was just going to say I think there is so much we can learn in the midst of rejection. That's important. When I think about uh, when I was in college, <clears throat> and um, I had a boyfriend that. Um, thought it was fun to have me as his girlfriend and also thought it was fun to have lots of other girls in his life as well. And so I went back and forth with that rejection with him that he wanted me and he didn't want me and he wanted me and he didn't want me. And um, it was such a difficult place for me. And it slowly just stripped me of my value to him and my worth. It was a real struggle for me. And it, it became a dark place for me um, when I had to break up with him, even though it was ripping my heart out yeah. um, and, and sticking to that and being strong in the midst of that. But um, I think the Lord taught me so much during that time. And um, I think we don't want to miss that in the rejection. Like what what does the Lord have for us in this or what can we learn from this? And I think that that relationship and all of that rejection led me to appreciate um, and adore my husband when mm -hmm. we were dating for who he is, because he was exactly the opposite of that. He was mm -hmm. um, 
accepted me for who I was and was very tender towards me and um, could show love freely to me and didn't didn't feel like feel that he had the need to show love to a bunch of other people. He didn't he wasn't charming all the time. And um, where I thought that was the best when I first started dating that other guy, now I was looking for someone who wasn't charming. I wanted them to be real with me. I wanted them, I wanted to see who the real person was. So I, I do think that that's really important. Like what you said, Patty, going through all those things of rejection in your professional world, you were learning every time you went through that and how we can learn and how we need to sit down with the Lord in the midst of rejection and say, what, what do you have for me in this? What can I learn from in this? And know that he has experienced rejection to the fullest amount and he wants to hear about our rejection. Hmm. I, I love that, Robin. He wants to hear about. He's he's walking alongside us because I just want to say your dark moments in college when that was happening was my dark moments because I was in between you and the other girlfriends. <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, you wow. know it was happening. Hopefully yes. we can laugh about that now, right? Because yes. <laughs> yes. you married an amazing man because yes. of that. And I, I love that, Robin, because if we're not able to step back and go, okay, what can I learn from this? If we're just making the same mistakes over and over again, then, okay, what, what are they there for? So, yeah, take time to process those emotions. Share it with a friend or a loved one because, disclaimer, if you are bottling this up, it will come out at unexpected times. You're not healing from it. You're going to stay in that victim role of, you know, just spiraling out of control. So find those heart partners and and because you did that and you purged it over to God, look at what he blessed you with, with, with Jem. And so, yeah, ask for advice and that feedback. But, but Debbie, you were going to, you were going to jump in. Yeah. I was just going to say, especially in relationships, um, you know, rejection is also God's way of saying, uh, Hey, wrong direction. I got something better for you, but we're so sure in the moment that this is the best when God's saying, but just, just wait, I've got something that's so much better. And we get impatient or I get impatient anyway. Yeah. And I just want to clarify there that when I was in the midst of that, I wasn't giving that over to God. I was completely focused on myself and I could not see past that. It wasn't until much later that I could look back and see how God took that and gave me Jim and gave me the opposite of what I had, but it wasn't because I was um, seeing it in the right light at the time. Um, So I just wanna encourage people out there that are listening that try to do that in the midst of it. I didn't do that, but try to do that in the midst of it. Yeah, and if you are taking notes, like even to write that down, Robin, what's one thing I can learn from this? And what's one thing I can do differently next time? Like, what do I need to peel back and give over, you know, to, I mean, we should be surrendering everything over to God. But when you're in that moment, I know I use my phone and uh, when I'm done with my day or I'm done training, I will go, all right, how did that go? What's one thing I can learn from this if I'm feeling like, it's once again, going back to that cognitive dissonance where you're not feeling good about it. And what's one thing I can do differently? Because then, then you're always growing right. as your own brain is rejecting what took place. Today. I think, yeah. And I also think a, a clear rejection 
a clear rejection is always better than a fake promise also. So if you are in a relationship with somebody who's letting you, uh, that keeps dragging you along when they're not really into it, we would, on the other hand, much rather have a clear, you know, a clear rejection than a fake promise. Mm -hmm. Chris, what were you going to say? Oh, um, I was just going to comment that to celebrate along the way, you know, as you notice improvements from being heard or rejected to recognize how you have um, put in place some of those great um, skills or um, lessons of how to adapt, you know, and mm-hmm. myself yesterday had to do that. I, um, I'm being very vulnerable and I didn't know if I would or not, but, um, you know, Patty and I were chatting and it was all really great stuff. So it's not anything that, um, was, had an ill intent, but, um, you know, whenever you get, um, constructive criticism, sometimes, for someone like me who has lived in the fear of rejection for so long, that voice of, see, you're not good enough, will mm-hmm. enter my mind. And I have worked years on overcoming that. And so when it pops up, it kind of takes me by surprise because I've done really well with over, overcoming that voice. And so I got caught in a vulnerable spot yesterday. And what did I do? I was see, you really aren't good enough. You're not as good as your friends are. And that voice of not of untruth was going to wreck my day. And I had to get to a point where I'm like, wait a minute, that is not truth. And I love Philippians 4, 8. Think on these things, whatever is true and right and lovely. And I hold that scripture very dear to my heart because then it, it, like, it will trigger. And it's like, oh, yeah. What is true? What is the truth that someone was telling me? I can take that and and apply it and learn from it. And mm-hmm. so, and then I can, you know, have a good rest of the day. I can enjoy being in the moment and not letting it ruin my whole day. Because there were years that I would let, um, even if they were intended well or they weren't intended well, I, it would ruin my day and my weeks. You know, I mean, I would be paralyzed. So. I just have found that that has been so helpful for me to be able to hear the truth and to, you know, not to know that it doesn't have to ruin your day, you know, and we are just onions. I am always being peeled away. And as soon as I get one layer down and thinking I've gotten to the core, another layer shows up. And so I just celebrate it because I know then that I'm, um, I'm improving, I'm learning and I'm facing that fear that has paralyzed me for so many years. And Krista, thank, first of all, thanks for being so transparent there, because I, I could I could hear it in your voice. Uh, I think it's so such great tips that you said that there, especially Philippians, you know, four eight through nine, to, to be thankful in all things. And it, it's interesting because, like you said, you know, it's it's for our listeners out there, but I feel like God chisels us. Do you ever feel like when after presenting or putting something together, it's like you have to be a clean vessel. And you, if you're going to spew and throw up on everybody, he's working on us before we can even, you know, share it with others. But uh, I, I also was talking to a really close friend of mine who is is being um, let go from a company and 
he was sharing what what you just said, basically, Krista, that I I am paralyzed right now because I'm used to being a decision maker. I'm used to sitting at the table and now I'm getting the ultimate rejection. You're not good enough to sit at this table anymore. And I thought, okay, first of all, that God was preparing, you know, for the show and I was able to breathe into him exactly what you just said, Krista. Like, what would it look like if you... If you had that Philippians, you know, 4-8 where you embraced it and you said, man, I am so thankful that I am being rejected right now. I am so thankful that I'm not going to sit at this table because God has this crazy adventure for me. God has something even yeah. better over here. But mm-hmm. to, to get our, our brains to work that way and go, what is the truth and what is, what is from the enemy? And we, we're just wired to listen to the negativity and to listen to the enemy rather than jumping over and having our brain be excited that this is what's taking place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge tip to go, man, I want to, I want to get excited. I want to get excited that I, I did not get accepted into Harvard. I want to get excited that I didn't get the Fiesta Bowl or, you know, the, and it's okay to, 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 to grieve it, but mm. then to go, but that means there's something else. And now I've learned. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's a process. And we just have to know that it is a process and, and go through those steps. It's just, I will tell you, it's so nice when those process steps or those steps, I should say, are not as long as sometimes they used to be. <laughs> so, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, which mm-hmm. I, I say that to encourage our women out there to know that if you're in one of the processes that is a long one, it does shorten. You know, we learn and you, you know, and it just brings a lot of joy and, and refreshment to your um, relationships to be able to see the success in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the big picture, too, I think it's important for us not to lose the big picture when, when we're in the midst of rejection, that um, as believers in Christ, we are always going to be rejected in this world because this is not our home and it will be a constant thing. And if we think that we can escape it, if we think that we can avoid it, if we think that um, it's it's cruel, if if it's happening to us, then something's wrong. It's actually part of living here on this earth and part of what's going to happen in our daily life. And what Patty has been saying is we need to know how to deal with rejection. We need to have some tools in our back pocket on how to face that when we're in the midst of it, um, taking it to the Lord, um, mm-hmm. giving him everything in that, knowing that he loves us and that he wants to hear it. And then um, uh, seeing if we have anything in there that we can learn or anything that needs to change. And then how can we obey the Lord in the midst of the rejection? So, mm-hmm. you know, just to keep going over those things over and over in our mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What Robin said that, that have you guys not thought that <laughs> like this whole hour, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's where it came from. And that's what we're just repeating the, the beautiful stuff that you say, Patty. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, I, I do want to add, um, we all listen to it, uh, but it's a YouTube, what I learned from a hundred days of rejection. And we will put that, um, on the, the Facebook site that you can click on that because it's just a funny way of looking at how do we embrace rejection? I heard him last year at the global leadership conference mm. and he actually shows 
some of the rejection stories, like when he went to Krispy Kreme and asked him to put the donuts with the Olympic, you know, symbol. And it's, it's hysterical. And it's so true. When you go out there and just keep getting rejected over and over again, like I, I was sharing with you guys, I, I live in a world of an ocean of feedback. And so the more you get it, the, the more grateful and the more you can say, well, well, thank you, because you know it's going to refine you. And But the first time I started getting evals, I'm like you, Krista, it, I, it put me in the fetal position because you're going, oh, I'm not good enough. And there's two things that trigger what research shows. One of them is I feel less than, which is exactly what you were saying, Krista. You start playing that comparison game. Oh, they're so much better than me. I feel less than. And the second one is... Who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shared yeah. some of my last feedback with you, and I'm like, okay, don't don't write that down. That's not how I said it. Like you have to contextualize what I meant there. You can't just throw a grenade on feedback and then walk away. So who do you think you are? And I feel less than. And when we know that, then we can help cope with it and go, all right, what do I need to do to get better here? And, you know, maybe it's just one thing that I can work on so it can, I can be refined and, and, you know, we're created in God's image. Let's go out there and be the best that we can possibly be. Yeah. And I think on, uh, with today's technology, social media, text messages, um, I always say, unless you can see me and see my face, you don't really know what I'm, how I'm coming across or what I'm trying to say. And I feel like there can be such huge rejection on social media when, um, you know, maybe nobody's really trying to reject anybody, but it comes across that way because of our own insecurities. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm just thankful that, uh, we all have, uh, other people, hopefully that are keeping us accountable for who we are in Christ. Mm -hmm. It is super helpful. Like we said, to have a support group, a community, a focus group, a platform, uh, a gathering of girlfriends that you can process with and go, Hey, this is what they said. Do you, do you think I have a loud mouth and I talk too much? Okay. Let me know. No, no, Sherry. No, Sherry. (laughs) No, no, no. You don't think that at all. No, no, no. But yeah, it is. You do need like a sounding board sometimes to bounce that off of someone and say, you know, what do you think they said this? Do you think they meant this? And and I know that I've done that several times with girlfriends and they'll say, well, you know, they maybe they said that, but they could be meaning this or they could have been saying that. And here's another way to look at that and reframe it or maybe take this away from that. And that's been super helpful to me on a number of occasions just to be able to bounce that off of somebody else who I respect. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I I hadn't thought of that before. Maybe that's what they meant. And I think if you know you're it, I mean, you truly, if, if God has clarified your it, I mean, he's always, we're always uh, in a process, you know, like you said, Krista, the, the onion is being peeled. We're being refined. But if, if you really know what, what God is having you to do, it's crazy 
how you can get that myopic focus that, okay, I am, I am taking this mountain because that is my purpose. So you let some of that stuff fall away. And if you don't know what that is, then you start being that inner critic drone in your head. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not witty enough. You'll never be successful. This is why you got rejected. But Look, shut it down. Watch that negative narrative. Don't get seduced by these d- destructive thoughts mm. and potentially, potentially, potentially mm. it could lead to self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Those mm. are the lies of the enemy and he wants you to be your own critic and those aren't truths. So anything that's shaming is not from the creator of the universe, period. Right. I think sometimes we're not only afraid of uh, of rejection and not being successful, we are afraid of being successful. So you've got a fear of, of you know, failing, but you also have a fear of success, which I've had at times where I'm like, I'm not good enough to be what I really think I can be. And I need somebody behind me to push me and say, you know what, Deb, you are good enough and you are going to be amazing at this. Just keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Well, I love, um, you know, John eight thirty two. that's another verse that during these times and moments that I, you know, will struggle and just be reminded of, of where the truth comes from. And I know the truth and the truth will set me free. And I personalize a lot of those verses for myself. Just by, um, because I also try to use tools that switch the narrative to a positive, you know, so you're not, you're speaking positive things to yourself and not the negative. And, um, you know, and so I, I love that because the truth does set us free. And it's such a beautiful place to be when you can be free from that bondage of the negative narrative and the words that could be so hurtful and painful and the rejection. And I, you know, I have to laugh because one of, um, what is his name again? He is so funny. Um, Zhang or Zhang, yeah, right. Oh, you know, Zhang, yeah. I just, I mean, it really triggered a spot in me. I mean, I'm like, wow, rejection has been um, a hard thing my entire life, and so obviously I'm still working on it. But when he said, "Would you believe the practical way to deal with the fear of rejection is to simply get rejected a lot more?" I mean, my <laughs> first comment that I wrote was. I don't like this at all. I, <laughs> and I've been in sales and I know, you know, um, that over and over, no just means not now. Well, right. no means no right now to me. And I hate the word now, you know, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how much I hate no, that I, it's, it's, I have to go to therapy for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't say no to me. I just love yes. But, I, 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 you know, I, I need to work on a lot of stuff still. <laughs> But that's so true, Krista. Like, don't label yourself as a failure because you hear the no, and that's what we have a tendency to do. And, uh, you know, I, I love what you said, Debbie, when you said it's so junior high. But that is where those formative years and those emotions and as our brain is being developed, that's where we're we're coming from. And, and we have to get beyond that. But when you do have those advocates you are able to, as a matter of fact, um, just so I can throw Sherry under the bus, we only have a few minutes, so let's leave that note. Uh, when I said, hey, let's do, you know, reject it, Sherry was like, uh, you know, I don't 
I don't know if I've ever been rejected. You know, and then we had to remind her. We had to just throw a few stories in her face to go, oh, yeah. oh, yes, you have. Oh. <laughs> but because when you really are surrendering it, it's like, oh, yeah, no, why would I be rejected? You know, and that's what we want to, to leave on that note of, yeah, you know, embrace it. You don't even clarify it as rejection because it's not. It's just an opportunity on what we can do next. So what can I do with this information and how can I tweak and be better because of it? Sherry, do you want to defend yourself there? <laughs> no, I just like it when you throw me under the bus. It just feels so good. Yeah, back and forth. <laughs> Do you know, I also, um, I also just want to say, which is so critical for me in my whole life, which is when I think somebody's thinking something about me, so I'm insecure because I'm thinking, oh, my God, I wonder what they're thinking about me. And the reality is they're not thinking anything. <laughs> they're thinking what are you thinking about me? And yeah. so that helped me so much because I hate cocktail parties or going anywhere where I have to go by myself, which is crazy because I am super outgoing, but I am scared to death to not have somebody to come in with me. So I'm so sure they're all looking at me like, oh, she must not have any friends. She must not have a husband. She must not have anybody. And nobody's thinking that. Nobody's thinking anything like that. Yeah. And, and that is that is such a good reminder that everybody's so focused and so myopic, myopically thinking, what are people thinking of me? Yeah. So if you notice the, once again, younger generation, they walk in with their phones or they're staring at their phones or they're sitting with their phones. That is their security blanket. They can't do yeah. anything unless, oh, uh, my daughter used to call me going across campus and it's like, what, do you need something? And she was like, no, I just need to be talking to somebody because I'm by myself walking yeah. from one class to the other. And I thought, are you serious? Like now you're not able to say hi. And if you're on the phone, how, how are people going to introduce yeah. themselves or say hello to you if you're always talking? It, it's, right. it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. All right. So we are finishing up our show, show today. And I, I just want to say thank you guys. It's such an honor to have our listeners. We hope that you're walking away with great tips. What's one thing I can learn from this? What's one thing I can do differently next time? And uh, clear rejection is better than a fake promise. Debbie, I, I love that. And Philippians 4.8, let's just be thankful for all things. Talk to you next week. Because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.